Good evening, church family, and happy Valentine's Day to all those who have on red and pink. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. <coughs> it's also Ash Wednesday, too, so if you're Catholic, you got the big ashes on your head, so, so they can't go out to Valentine's Day dinner and get no meat or nothing today. So I wonder how the restaurant's made out today, you know, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day on the same day. It's interesting. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for how you load us daily with benefits, Lord. Um, you're able, Lord, to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that we could ask or even think or imagine. Lord, and you, you've blessed us with the Holy Spirit living in our hearts, Lord, um, leading us into all truth and showing us the things, Lord, in details about how you think and your heart towards um the church towards Israel, towards those in the world, Lord. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. You do wondrous things. Your name is matchless, Lord. Your name is above every name, Lord. You are the King of glory, strong and mighty. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. Settle us down, Lord. We grow weary, we get tired, Lord. Um, Pray that we could fall under your yoke because your yoke is easy, your burden is light. And so, Lord, bless your word. Breathe upon it tonight, Lord. Speak through me. Lord, I'm just limited in dust, but, Lord, you can say so many things. And as David prayed, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer, I do pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn with us to 1 Chronicles chapter 24 tonight. You know, chapter 23 dealt with the divisions of the Levites and some duties and, and what the Levites had to do to break and set down a tabernacle at one point. But no longer do they have to do that. You know, they got a place that's going to be a solid foundation. And then that's going to be the, um, a permanent place of worship for Israel, which would be the... Um, the temple, Solomon Temple, is getting ready to be erected. So now we come to the sons of Aaron and the priests and the order that ultimately God wanted to put in place, but he used David to direct things. David is like a, a director. You know, I don't know what he's going to be doing the millennium exactly, but he's going to be part of the temple in some way during, during the kingdom age too. So just as God has given Moses instructions for the blueprints of the um, tabernacle of meeting, likewise David for the temple. You know, in fact, I'll read it for you, chapter 28. You don't have to turn to this because we didn't get that far yet. But it's interesting what it says in chapter 28 in verses 11 through 13. It says, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had by the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers all around, and the treasuries of the house of God, and of the treasuries for the de um, dedicated things, also for the division of the priests and the Levites, for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and all the, for all the articles is interesting of service for the house of the Lord. And, and it's interesting that when we get to a place 
what God is working on us, and he shows us different things about ourselves. You know, you, you, sometimes you, you, you kind of say, well, Lord, is this holy to you? Lord, if, I, if I'm on time, yeah, that's holy to God. Is, it, is this holy to you, Lord, if, if I sweep this floor and I'm doing it with a pure heart? And, and a, yes, Lord, it's, it's holy. Lord, is it holy to you, Lord, if I come in and paint this room and get this church ready for God's people to walk in and worship God and meet him there with two or three gathered? I'm in the midst. That's holy to the Lord. And some of the things that people do in the house of God, they think they don't, they're not worth nothing. And I'm saying, that, no, they are worth something. The Lord sees everything. And so in chapter 24, we will not read all these names at night. We'll move around some through here and we'll move down some. But we won't read every single name or y'all be mad at me. He said, I came to church on Valentine's night and he went through every single name. Malua, Bua, Kabua, I don't, you know. So, but we will go through some, some parts, and I'll show you why we'll do this. This is in verse 1 of chapter 24. Now, these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. It says, the sons of Aaron were Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. Pay attention to those four names. Because two of the names, his first, his oldest and his second eldest son, they offered strange fire to God and God struck them dead in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. So Aaron essentially, you know, by the time Ezra writes this, he would have known all about that. Eleazar and Ithamar. That's where the priesthood would come through. It should have come through Eleazar, somehow Ithamar, I don't know how they switched it, but somehow Eli became high priest at Shiloh. He was a descendant of Ithamar. And God got rid of him too, though. It says in verse 2, And Nadab and Abidu died before their father and had no children. Therefore Eleazar and Ithamar ministered as priests. So to be a high priest, you had to be a son of Aaron. Then David with Zadok, the sons of Eleazar, and Ahimelech, the sons of Ithamar, that's where Eli would come through, Ith, you know, Ahimelech, the sons of Ithamar, divided them according to the schedule of this service. And I know why David did that. It should have probably just been Eleazar. There were more leaders found of the sons of Eleazar than the sons of Ithamar, and thus they were divided. Among the sons of Eleazar were 16 heads of their father's house and eight heads of their father's houses among the sons of Ithamar. Thus they were divided, notice, by lot, one group as another, for there were officials of the sanctuary, for, for there were officials of the sanctuary and officials of the house of God from the sons of Eleazar and from the sons of Ithamar. And so the division of these sons, 24 in all, 16 from Eleazar, 8 from Ithamar. God would determine how these things would turn out. And notice what it says. And the scribe, now, Ezra wrote the book of Chronicles. So Ezra, if you read Ezra, second chapter, if you read the book of Ezra, chapter 7, verse 10, 
Ezra chapter 7, verse 12. It says that he was a skilled scribe of the law of Moses. He was skilled. He wrote this. But it says, and the scribe Shemaiah, the son of Nithanel, one of the Levites, wrote them down before the king. <coughs> Excuse me. The leaders, Zadok the priest, Ahimelech, and the son of Abiathar, and the heads of the father's houses of the priests and Levites, one father's house taken from Eleazar and one from Ithamar. Now the first lot fell on Jehoiarib, the second to Judea, the Judea means Jehovah has favored, the third, Haram, which means dedicated to God, and the fourth one, Seorim, the fifth is Melchijah, and the sixth is Mijamim, and the seventh, Hekaz. What is this? A nice name. Hekaz. Hey, that girl got a Hekai, you know. The eighth, Abijah. This was by Lot. They felt by Lot. <coughs> this is the same system, if you remember. And if you like studying the Bible, and just like some things are a little kind of consistent in, in certain ways, you know, God is consistent completely with his word. But some things you kind of cross-reference, you say, oh, yeah, that did happen. During the time that God told through Gabriel, you know, that John the Baptist would be born, you know, he would come in the spirit of Elijah, says in first. Uh, in the first chapter of um, Luke 17, and that he would be born. But it's interesting that it says there, this was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, and it says in the Bible, a certain priest named Zacharias, that was John the Baptist's father, you know, of the division of Abijah. Here, this Abijah of the division of Abijah, his wife of the daughters of Aaron, her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were well, both well advanced in age. So it was while they were serving as priests, while Zacharias was serving as priest before the Lord in the order of his division, He's in the division of Abijah. The incense to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn the incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So that lot practicing, when you read Luke chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, it points itself to that same process. You didn't pick when you was called to do the work. They cast the thing. God determined it. He said, what about these lots? Is this like gambling? No, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. They cast these lots, and if it pointed your way, it didn't, you didn't have nothing to do with how tired you was, nothing. You're next, buddy. Could you imagine that? God knows our lot. Look down to verse 19. Since this was the schedule of their service for the coming into the house of the Lord, notice, according to the ordinance by the hand of Aaron, his father, as the Lord God of Israel had commanded him. It's interesting. This was the schedule. They had a schedule. Now, sometime in the day's world, especially in the house of worship, 
People don't comply to a schedule. People make their own schedules. So church started at 10 o'clock. Well, that's nice. That, that don't have nothing to do with me. It starts at 10 o'clock. Church starts at 12, 15. You're like, All right, well, yeah, that's nice. So we don't adhere to schedules like that no more. You know, people make their mind up in the morning and say, well, I'll just miss worship and hear the word. Oh, I'll just, you know, I'm going to sleep in late today. I mean, we don't really adhere, adhere to schedules, you know. And I think sometimes being tardy is disruptive. I think it could be disruptive, you know. And, and, and I think being on time, it honors God. Do y'all know that? How many of y'all go to work late every day? But people come to church whenever they want to. How many of y'all late every single day for work? I'm talking about if you had to go to an office and drive there and get there. Not if you like home in your pajamas and hitting the button. <laughs> Most people are not work for, late for work every day. They, this was the schedule of their service for the coming into the house of the Lord according to the ordinance by the hand of Aaron, their father, as the Lord God, the Lord God, Jehovah, Elohim of Israel, Yarel, you know, he had commanded in verse 20, and the rest of the sons of the Levi, I'm not reading that, verse 27, the sons of Mary, and notice verse 31, go down with me. These also cast lots as their brothers, the sons of Aaron did, in the presence of King David, Zadok, Ahimelech, and the heads of the father of the father's houses of the priests and Levites, the chief fathers, did just as their younger brother. There was no seniority here. Whoever the lot fell upon, they were the ones God wanted for service. Well, I've been around here a long time. I ain't doing it today. No, it don't work like that. Isn't that something? It wasn't based on how much the priest knew or how gifted he was. It was all done by lot. And when you read Proverbs 16.33, it makes a lot of sense when Solomon writes, he says, the lot is cast into the lap, but, it, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Every decision is from the Lord. You remember when they picked the apostles? They picked another apostle because they had 11. And Judas went out and hung himself, remember? And they, nowhere did God, Jesus ever tell them, look, make sure that it's 12 of y'all guys. Nowhere. They picked Matthias. Now, in the mind of God, I'm sure there might have been something about 20, 12 apostles because it's the 12 foundations in Revelation 21 of, regarding the apostles. But the 12th apostle that God picked was Paul. And I think when we get to heaven, we're going to see Paul's name on that foundation, not Matthias. And they cast their lots and they went to Matthias. And the other guy didn't fall upon him, and he went home. And I got that after he saw all of them getting martyred. He said, thank God he didn't fall on me. <laughs> Chapter 25, look, it says, <coughs> Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated 
for the service, some of the sons of Asaph, Heman, that's not Herman, that's Heman. Hey, Herm, that's Heman. And, um, and of Jeduthim, who should prophesy, notice, with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals, and the number of, notice, the skilled men performing for their service was, you had to be skilled. It wasn't just anybody comes in, well, I'm going to play my banjo today. He's like, no, you had to be skilled. David was a skilled harpist, anointed. These men are not Levites, they are prophets who played the song music unto the Lord, the songs unto the Lord. Worship is not music, the worship service is the entire experience. We call worship when people sing. Oh, I'm going to go worship. The entire experience is worship. Our reasonable service to give, to serve, to sing, all of it is worship. We always think in our culture, the worship man, that was some good worship they had at that church. Well, what do you mean by that? Worship is everything part of the experience that when you're before God, laboring, serving the Lord, when, let me drink this water. When it says that, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies and live in sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. It's your whole life. Have a life of worship. Singing is not just worship. I'm on the worship team. No, no, no. You're a worshiper that's singing songs to the Lord. Worship is not music. Worship service is the entire experience. Prayers, the greeters, you know, the ushers, the, the folding of programs and chairs and the offertory, the taking of the children to their classes and so on. That's worship service, all of it. Sunday school teachers serving in Sunday school. And however, worship is not outward only, but it should be something that is taking place in our hearts daily. Our hearts should be prostrated down before the Lord. Let's worship. A, a true heart of worship can only take place when the word of God is in the heart of the child of God. That's when it takes place. You know what it says in the Bible? In Colossians 3.16, you know what the Bible says? It says, let the word of Christ dwell you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms. That's for the Jews. They had the psalms. And hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Amen? A worshipful person, they walk in the door, they just feel, here I am, Lord, I'm ready to serve. Whatever you need me to do, Lord. And they wipe the table singing, oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. And somebody said, you need, another table need to be cleaned. Oh, no, one second, and then I'll be right over. You know, and then the very opposite of a person who's not worshipful, they come and the table clean. Those tables need to be clean. And somebody said, one more need to be, don't what you mean, one more need to be clean. I'm done. You know, that's that person that don't have a worshipful heart.
They grumble all the time. They look mean. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. And it's all about them and not about the Lord. And that's an interesting place. You know, you can see the difference. So if somebody get grumpy with you, say, hey, what's going on? What's your reading? What's your prayer life like? What are you doing with your quiet time? And this is verse 2 of the sons of Asaph. And you can read all those names at home. I'm not going to read them. But it says the sons of Asaph were under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied according to the order of the king. Of Jeduthan, the sons of Jeduthan, you can read those names at home too. Now hear the horizontal and the vertical. Prophesying is man speaking to God on the behalf of God. Man being a mouthpiece. But it also says that to praise the Lord, that's vertical. Because you're looking upward. You're praising the Lord. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. And be lifted up. Praise the Lord. You don't praise the Lord like this. Lord, you're good, Lord. I love you, Lord. You've been so good to me. Like that old song by Shirley Caesar, Shouting John. Me and Charlie was looking at the documentary last night. They couldn't shut up Shouting John. He didn't know what Shouting John been through. And he said, John, you come in this church shouting again. We're kicking you out, John. And grant you, I always say shouting. And you got to know something about shouting. So y'all need to know this too. Because some of y'all came from the church where they said, they just going crazy, you know, sweating, going, and the music going. And everybody's shouting. And you know, you see all that stuff and everybody going crazy. Everybody's speaking the tongues. Got to get out of Got to get out of And they all going crazy. I don't think that glorifies God. Because let me tell you why. The Holy Spirit will never let some man or some person performing get more attention than Jesus Christ. It ain't going to happen. Because the Holy Spirit is leading us to all truth to glorify Christ. Not how well somebody's shouting, sweating, and screaming, and everybody in the church, oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, none of that stuff. That's not the Holy Spirit. You could call it the Holy Spirit. You just say, man, they got the Spirit. Man, the Spirit got them. I'm like, no, the Spirit lives in us already. And it's always going to be in God's order. He's never going to be out of order. And some of us came from some of those churches. They were screaming and shouting and going crazy. And, and, and you didn't do it. And they almost like think something was wrong with you. They look at you like, oh, what's wrong with you? Or some you had to grow up and wait, go to the altar and tarry for the Holy Spirit and all that nonsense. That's nowhere in the scripture. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. That's E-N. He's, you know, para, it becomes beside us. And when he comes upon us, it's a pie, epi. But it's never going to be out of order. It will never be out of order. It will never draw any attention from who Jesus Christ is. Amen? And it's hard for some of us to swallow because we didn't come from that. And this is of Heman, the sons of Heman. You can read the rest of them at home. Verse 5, all these were the sons of Heman, the king's seer, 
in the words of God to exalt his horn. Notice, God gave. It's the Lord who gives us our children. Children are lent from the Lord. They're not yours. They lent to you. He meant 14 sons and three daughters, 17 kids. Somebody has 17 kids a day, you'll say, something wrong with them. Look at all those kids they have. That's what we would say. Why in the world I got all those kids? 17 kids that make no sense. When the Bible says be fruitful and multiply. You imagine that for 17 kids and you own the farm? Man, you got 17 helpers. That's why they had so many kids when they had farms. They get, look at the help we're going to get. It says, and all these were under the direction of their father. Their father was the director of what they were called to do. All fathers are the directors of their household and should be. Every man is the pastor or the priest of their house and will stand before God, God Almighty, to give account of how they lived in front of their families. Every man in here, every man. The woman got two heads, the husband and Christ. The man only got one head, Christ. We stand before the Lord. A woman could say, oh, my husband messed it up. He told me not to do this. I submitted to him. You know, you know. <laughs> but we stand right before the Lord. Right before the Lord. All these were under the direction of their father for the music in the house of the Lord with cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps for the service of the house of God. Asaph... Jeduthun and Heman were under the authority of the king. You know, Asaph means Jehovah has gathered. He wrote at least 12 psalms. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 73. Asaph wrote Psalm 73 through Psalm 83, which is 11 psalms. And then he wrote Psalm 50. He wrote 12 of the psalms. If this is the Heman that I'm thinking of, his name means Jehovah has gathered the praising one faithful. He may have wrote Psalm 88. If you look at Psalm 88 in your Bible, it'll say, Heman, this may have been the man. Jeduthun means the praising one. Jehovah's gathered the praising one. Jehovah has gathered the praising and faithful. That's how that would read. Asaph, Jeduthun, Heman were under the authority of the king. And look, and whenever music in God's house is not under the authority of the king of glory, it becomes a mess. It becomes the flesh. The music ministry in many churches has caused division, and many fights in the church have broken out over music ministries. They ain't let me lead that song. I'm leaving that church. They ain't let my daughter, little Shirley, lead, and she sings like Tarzan, and then I'm leaving. You, you, you can imagine how music and, you know, and, and, and it enter in a lot of sweet things that ain't sweet to God. David was the perfect king for this because he himself, you know what God put him in charge of this? He would be called at the end of his life the sweet psalmist of Israel. You can tell when somebody in music always in the flesh, they think the music means more than God. Come on, Anthony, you know, help me out, man. You've been in church, you know, come on, man. You've been in music, you sung all these years. You know what I'm talking about. 
And I didn't get the lead part, and I left that church. They ain't had my mic turned up loud enough. And I'm out of here. Every week they got my mic turned down low. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And people's mad. When somebody come in there new and they could really sing, they don't even like you. God told me one day, because I used to be a singer, he told me, <laughs> I go to church, I'm like, they had the male chorus. I would never apply for the lead parts. So one of my friends, he said, well, what is wrong with you? He said, you sing. Why you never come? Because they would have a new song, and then people would come and apply, audition for the song, and audition for the lead part. I said, I, said, I don't think I need to do that. I said, I don't want to sing like that. I just came here because it's the fellowship with the men. I was on the male chorus. It was the fellowship of getting to know other guys, being around other men, all the things I was thinking of. Not singing. I was singing all my life. I need singing. He said, but you need, to take, you need to take one of these lead parts one day. And he almost like made me take one almost. But I would have never took it. And what it did, he ended up making me take this part in the sing. And I'm singing. And you know what happened? It was the guy that used to run the men's ministry. A guy named Steve. I'll never forget him. Steve said, look, do you want to come sing for the men every, every quarter at the men's breakfast? I said, I'll sing there. I'm like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, me and Charlene was to go to the shelters. I always sung at the shelters. I was singing in the shelter. And I know, like you see, if you know anything about music, music, it could be a blessing. And boy, can it become almost like a curse. The devil get a hold of it is a mess. Because singing and playing music is serving the Lord not of ourselves. It's a service unto the Lord. Serving the giver and not becoming a slave to our gifts. Don't become a slave to your gift. Or you'll miss the one who gave it to you. <laughs> Look, Psalm 144 verse 9 says, I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you upward. Not how good I sounded and the people applaud. Like, oh man, did you hear his voice? That's the world. The world does that. Like Usher with that big suit on in the Super Bowl, you know, walking like the Tin Man. The world loves that kind of stuff. Her comes out on her guitar. Can I get out of the Alicia Keys? She's being all hugged up and everyone's, oh, what would her husband think about that? You know, and all these things. That's the world in music, it's not the church. It's not the church. Amen? So verse 7 says, So the number of them with their brethren who were instructed in the songs of the Lord, all who were skillful, was 288. 288 players and singers. These are the songs, not songs they conjured up. They were from the Psalms. These were the songs of the Lord. Music you know, has often shaped society. Remember the music of the 60s or the music of the 70s and the music of the 80s and so on. So how much more should the music of God impact our hearts and draw us closer to him and to his word? How much more? You know, the power of music is songs that came out in 1970. You still know by heart. And sometimes... They slip up. 
He wasn't thinking about that song. One day I'm sitting all by myself. I'm telling you, I'm sitting by myself. I'm not thinking about music or nothing. And all I want is, not that needy. I'm saying, whoa, hold on, what I'm doing? You know, and then you, you say, well, wow, that was 40 years ago that song came out. Knee deep, you know. And you start thinking, you say, the power of what it does to you and how it goes deep down somewhere and you can memorize stuff. Some love song you had when you broke up with your girlfriend. Or some song like April Love or something come out. You're, every April you think about it, you start crying. That's when he quit me or something like that. That's the power of music. It gives you a memorization of something. How about teaching your kids worship songs when they're really, really young? As the minute they can start speaking, teach them worship songs. While they're in the womb, sing worship songs to them. And so when they hear the other stuff, they'll think it's dirty and wrong. And it says, and they cast lots for their duty. The small as well as the great, the teacher with the student, there was no seniority here. Whoever the lot fell upon, God won it. Now the first lot for Asap came out for Joseph. The second for Gedaliah, him, was with his brethren and sons, 12, and you can read all those names when you get home. And verse 31, it says, the 24 a Ramamtai, Ezer, his sons, and his, 12, and his brother in 12, chapter 26, concerning, notice, the divisions of the gatekeepers, the Korahites, Mishalaya, no, I like this name here, Mishalamaya, the son of Kor, the sons of Asaph. Verse four, verse four, moreover, the sons of Opek Edom, Verse 6, let's skip down there. Also Shemai, the son, his son, were sons born, notice, who governed their father's house. Notice, because they were men of great ability. These were gatekeepers or ushers. They were mighty men. They didn't preach a sermon. They didn't, didn't do great evangelistic outreaches. They didn't sing, but they were gatekeepers. They were mighty men who served the Lord, who watched the doors. And how important that is in today's church, security in church. How important that is today. They watch the doors. I appreciate Rich and those guys out there. They watched the doors. They were, notice, men, they were men of great ability. Isn't that something? Remember in the church when it multiplied, and it says there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the apostles, the 12 apostles, summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And of course, you know, the whole list of Stephen was on that list, Philip and, you know, and so forth. Ushers and people who greet are important to the Lord. Do y'all realize that? Somebody walking, good morning. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. 
is a representation of the Lord. You go to a church and the usher don't look at you strange. Who are you? There's a seat over there. Find your seat. It misrepresents who Jesus is. One thing about this church, and I don't know if people think we're weird, but it's super friendly. Like people are super friendly for some reason. Like, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Or it's just friendly. It's just a friendly church. Which we don't realize how much that represents Christ. Little kids would come to Christ. Because he says, for such is the kingdom of God. And notice in verse 12, it says, Among these were the divisions of the gatekeepers, among the chief men, having duties just like their brethren. Notice, to serve in the house of the Lord. These are men who carry stuff, setting up. On, remember at the YMC, we just set up on Sunday mornings? With those big red carpets, some of y'all don't know nothing about that. That was so much pressure to be open. You had to, you could never be late. I had to remember that big burgundy windstar I had. It had all the church equipment in the back, all the sound system that we see, see back there. It was all set up in the car with speakers and everything. We had to get. I could never be late for ten years. <laughs> I could never. I was never late for ten years. And you had to get down there every Sunday. Like, Charlene, come on, put your makeup on in the car. We're getting out of here. <laughs> For 10 years, I was never late. And we get there, it was a team waiting to take the stuff out, you know. And, you know, and on Wednesday nights, it was so hard because I remember one Wednesday night, I was working a regular job. I was so tired, I was going through inspection. And I was like, Lord, I know nobody's not going to be there to meet me. I know it. When I got there, there was nobody from church. And it was like 12 little boys. They said, Mr. Mark, you need some help? I'm like, praise the Lord. <laughs> they got the little assembly line. They got all that stuff in the church. Then you get to hook it up and put it in here. You know, this was every single week. Y'all don't know what we went through. Every single week we had to set up, break down, set up, break down. God was honored in that. And it says in verse 13, and they cast lots for each gate, the small as well as the great, according to their father's house, the lot of the east gate fell to Shalemiah. Then they cast lots for um, the son, uh, for his son Zechariah, a wise, notice, a wise counselor, and his, and his lot came out of the north gate. It tells us, where the lots fell, and in what direction. Isn't that interesting? The south gate, the sons of the storehouse, and so forth. Verse 20, look at it. Of the Levites, Ahijah, not Abijah, Ahijah, was over the treasuries of the house of God and over the treasuries of the dedicated things. And this is a big responsibility. Verse 26, look down. The Shelomith, and his brother were over all the treasuries. These were the gods who took care of the offerings and counted the money, right? Of the dedicated things which King David and the heads of his father's house, the captains over thousands and hundreds and captains of the army had dedicated. I wouldn't want this job they had. Some of the spoil won in the battle they dedicated to maintain the house of the Lord. You need money to maintain the house of the Lord. People don't realize that. It takes resources to maintain the house of the Lord. It's right here in the Bible. 
This was a great responsibility to oversee such, because it was such great wealth. Over 13,100,000 pounds of gold. An ounce of gold today is $1,991. One ounce is $900, I mean $1,991 for an ounce of gold. Imagine having 13,100,000 pounds of gold. How much was that worth? You got to count it. <laughs> and look, of silver, this was a lot of wealth, not including all the other wealth, the bronze, the stones, the timber, the iron and beyond. This was a, you think you had to count something. This was a, phew. They, they needed more than a CPA or a broker. You needed like hundreds of bank tellers. You say, listen, listen, you take that lane, you take that lane, you take that lane. Imagine all this wealth. David took it from other countries. And if that wasn't enough, look at verse 28. This is interesting. It says, in all that Samuel the seer, this is Samuel the prophet, Hannah's son, saw the son of Kish, Abner the son of Ner, and Joab, the son of Zariah, that's David's sister, so Joab was um, David's nephew, had dedicated, this is going back 40 years plus, this was their savings of the things that was dedicated that was stored up. They had all this stuff stored up. Every dedicated thing was under the hand of Shelemith and his brethren. Man, you imagine, oh, Fort Knox. How did they secure this stuff? Because, you know, the Babylonians, when they come in, when Isaiah asked Hezekiah, what did you show them? He <laughs> showed them all the treasuries and all this stuff. When the Babylonians come in and they meet Hezekiah, they were nobodies. It was like no real, they wasn't no mighties. But when they came to power, Isaiah said, look, you know what you showed them? They're going to carry your descendants away and the stuff. All this stuff you showed them is going to be carried away. Remember they carried all that stuff away? And when they had that drunken party years later, and they mocked the things of God, and Belshazzar had a party, and on the wall it says, meaning, meaning, took a fart, and your days are up, buddy. Those were the same vessels and stuff that came from these treasuries. Don't mess with God's stuff. Don't mock. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, a man will reap. And then it says, of the Ezraites, Ezraites, Kaniah and his sons performed duties as all officials and judges over Israel inside Jerusalem. And the Hebronites, and of the Hebronites, Hashabiah and his brethren, 1,700 able men, had oversight of Israel on the west side of the Jordan, which is important, for all the business of the Lord in the service of the Lord. This just shows us that God uses all different types of people to complete his work, just like even in the church. It's all different skills, all different talents, is all different types of people that God used in the kingdom of God for the purpose of God, for the things that God wants to place in the direction of God. You know, you know, because the body of Christ is, we're one, and, 
It has many members, the Bible says. But all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. We're the body of Christ. All of us got different skills, different talents. Some people can sing. Some people say, please don't sing. Some people can usher. You say, please don't usher. Some people can run a women's ministry. The others say, don't you go nowhere near the women's. Some guys can run a Bible study. No, some guys, don't you don't want to run a Bible? You know, everybody's different gifts and talents and, you know, gifts, spiritual gifts. Everybody got at least one spiritual gift. Nobody goes, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. I serve. Well, how do you know that? Because that's what he wants you to do. This is among the Hebronites, Jeraijah was head of the Hebronites according to his genealogy of the fathers. In the 14th year of the reign of David, they were sought. And there, and there were found among them capable men at Jazar of Gilead. These men were found and brought in for their past service. They had a resume and a reputation. Some people come along in ministry, they walk in the door, you're like, they're going to add to your ministry. And people say, well, how did they get in so fast? They just got... Some people come, not often, but sometimes people come, and they just walk right in, they surpass everybody that is sitting in here, and God uses them. And you should be like, praise the Lord, it must be something God wants to do that I couldn't do, and he's using somebody else to do it. Not the other route. Oh man, where did he come from? Who do you think he is? You can't trust nobody these days. <laughs> you probably can't until they prove you that you can't trust him. You can't trust him. And his brethren were 2,700, notice this. And his brethren was 2,700 able men, heads of fathers, houses, whom David made officials over the Reubenites and the Gadites, and the half of the tribe of Manasseh. And they were the other ones on the other side of the Jordan, the Transjordan, who wanted their lot on that side of where they asked Moses for that lot. For every matter pertaining to God and the affairs of the king. So they were on the east side of Jordan. Chapter 27. See, y'all didn't think we could get through this this fast. Look at that. Now we're given the military troops and divisions from verse 1 to verse 15. 24,000 troops served one month who would serve, you would serve, but you would be off for 11 months. This is 288,000 troops that would serve within a year's time. Imagine you just did all your war and everything one month, you had the rest of the year off. That's nice. It says, and the children of Israel, according to their number, the heads of fathers, houses, the captains of thousands and hundreds, and the officers serving the king in every matter of the military. See, the military divisions, these divisions came in and went out month by month throughout all the months of the year, each division having 24,000, 24,000 troops. And if you go through verse 2, it says the first month. Verse 4 says the second month. Verse 5 says the third month, over the third month. Verse 7 says the fourth month. Verse 8 says the fifth month. Verse 9 says the um, sixth month. Verse 10 says the seventh month. Verse 11 mentions the eighth month. Verse 9 mentions, the, I mean, verse 12 mentions the ninth month. Verse 13 mentions the tenth month. 
Verse 14 mentions the 11th month, and verse 15 mentions the, the 12th month. So it was 12 months. And at the end of each of those verses, it'll tell you, it would say 24,000. That's what it say at the end of each verse. 24,000 to 12, you know, 288,000. It says, moreover, verse 16, over, now 31 times is mentioned in this chapter, over. Furthermore, over the tribes of Israel, the officer over the Reubenites was Eleazar, the son of Zechari, Zechari over the Simeonites, Shephatiah, the son of Maacah, over the Levites, Heshabiah, the son of Kemuel, over the Aaronites, Zadok, over Judah, notice this Judah thrown in there, Elihad, one of David's brothers, over Issachar, Amri, the son of Michael. You ever wanted to say Michael in the Bible? Not Michael the archangel. This is another name, Michael. Michael is a Bible name. Go down to verse 23. But David did not take the number of those 20 years old and under, because the Lord said he would um, multiply Israel like the stars of, of the heavens. Joab, the son of Zariah, began a census, but he did not finish. Remember, he didn't finish that census. For the wrath came upon Israel because of this census, nor was the number recorded in the count of the chronicles of David. David ain't never write that down after God said, which, which one do you want? What spanking do you want, Davy? You know, and David said, I'm not writing that nowhere. And then it says, Asma, Amma, As, and Asmavith, his name means, this is an interesting name, Asmavith, this is his name, it means strong as death. The son of Adiel was over the king's treasuries, he was too, and Jehan and, jo and Johanathan, the son of Uzziah, was over the storehouses in the field, in the cities, this is outside of the temple area, in the villages and in the fortresses, they had so much stuff, they had it other places. And verse 31, look down. Then Jesus, not Jay-Z, so this is Jesus, all right? That, that means shining. It means shining. Jesus, the Hagarite, was over the flocks. I like that. Because the shepherd, the flock of God, which is among you, as overseers. Not for filthy lucre, not, you know, not by compulsion. You know, those are entrusted into you. He was over the flocks. All these were the officials over King David's property. And Johanathan, David's uncle, was a counselor. Notice, a wise man and a scribe. And Jehiel, the son of Hak, notice, Hakmoni. You know anybody named Hakmoni? Was with the king's sons. Notice who's here too. Ahithophel was the king's counselor. And Hushai, the archite, was the king's companion. He knew everything that was going on with the king. Now, Ahithophel, who was Ahithophel? Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. That's why he got mad with David. When David sinned with Bathsheba and had Uriah the Hittite killed, Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. And then he sided with Absalom. Most people don't realize that. And it says, after Hithophel, they don't talk about how he died, was Jehoiada, the son of Benaiah, then Abiathar, notice, 
And the general of the king's army was Joab. That's David. Again, David's nephew, Joab. Joab was a rough boy. Joab is the one who killed Absalom. And David on his dying bed said, make sure you get rid of him. So Solomon, you get Joab. And it's interesting that God takes notice. And if you look at this and you start looking at this and say, why in the world is all this information here? Why the gatekeepers and the singers and the, you know, the, the guys who take the offerings and this and all that stuff. It kind of could lend itself to how you could look at God's thinking. Where he notices everything. And everything is important to him that pertains to him. Everything is important to God. What time we come to worship? What time we start? Are we willing to clean, stand or clean these chairs? If everybody gone, if Maria gone, she'll clean them or whatever. And he'll look at it. Did you see that lint? I said, stand. A gnat can't see that lint. Say, oh, I see it. He'll vacuum, clean. You know, people clean the bathrooms. You know, and people come here and clean. Now, paint. Marie's painting this thing the other day. And I said, man, that's a tough job. And he's like on the floor. But it's details. Those little details that we pay attention to, God take notice that we care enough to do it. He takes notice when somebody cares enough to bring order to the house of God. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as it is in all the churches and of the saints. God is not interested in a dysfunctional church where everybody's just going crazy. There's no order. You know, the service runs for 50 hours and then just, well, the Lord was speaking to us. You had church 90 hours. You'd be like, what? The Lord, what? The Lord, you're talking about the Lord of the rings. It ain't the Lord of heaven. And they just going crazy in the church and everybody, well, what time church over? And little kids like, mommy, I hate this place. Don't know. You know and they still, and the music going on and on and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And he said, we had a great time in the Lord. If it's out of order, it's not the Holy Spirit. I don't care what nobody say. I'm not saying that sometimes it won't last a little longer. I'm not saying that. But this is a constant, all this stuff. Everybody come forward. I'm going to slap you on the head with oil today. And you're going to fall back. You better fall back. You know, like the lady told me, you got a stubborn spirit, kid. You know? I said, Miss, you better get off my head. I'm not even saved. I just came to church with one of my friends, you know. That lady was about to get jacked up from a little kid, you know. And we don't understand that sometimes. We think that everything should be out of order. You know, it's like, even if I teach, I have to be done by 9 o'clock on the Wednesdays. I need to be done. It's a certain time I start. It's a certain time I finish. And I say, this is the time I have. And you got an hour to teach what I need to teach. And I need to sit down. And if I start going 17 hours and everybody, remember to... Paul was teaching and the guy fell out the window and killed himself. And you can tell when the Holy Spirit said, that's it. If you're in tune with God, you know when the Holy Spirit says, that is it. It's not about what you want to do or say. It's about what the Lord wants to say. And so if you don't think these chapters are important, think twice. And God is saying to all of us, whatever role you play in the house of God, 
You play that role to the max. If it's teaching, if it's encouraging, if it's giving, if it's labor, whatever he gives you, you know, Romans 12, the motivational gifts, the gifts of God, you know, Ephesians 4, the gifts from Christ to the church, and, and 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit. is lined up like that. The gifts of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of Christ. And the ones, you know, some, you know, apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you know, it's a five-fold ministry. No, it's not a five-fold ministry. It's not called the five-fold ministry. Pastor, teacher. You cannot be a pastor unless you know how to teach. It's called the Granville Sharp Rule. The and is almost saying these two go together to become one. Pastor, teacher. Some of y'all grew up with the five-fold ministry. Sorry, that's not a five-fold ministry. If you're a pastor and you don't have a teaching gift, you're not a pastor. What do you mean by that? How can you feed the flock of God if you can't teach? You have to know how to teach. We don't need more preaching in the church. There's some guys that can preach. They know how to make the people go crazy and all that, shouting and all that. In the days we live in, we need intelligent Bible teaching. Good expository, verse by verse, line upon line, Bible teaching. Not somebody giving you all the EBGBs and say, speak it into existence and all that nonsense. That is nonsense. It needs to be order in the church. There's no order in the church. Even the world knows better than the, sometimes the church do. You know what they say in the courtroom? Order in the court. And it's usually order in the court. Let's look at that video when the guy jumped over the thing and tackled the judge. You know? But usually it's order in the court. It's usually order in the court. And in the church it should be order. You know what church has done to so many people? They make you come to church and think it's about you. This is about what you're going to get. How God's going to give you what you want. How the, a, a, a humanistic way of looking at church. God going to give you what you want. And if you give God, he'll give you everything back. No, 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 don't mean that. And the world has gone into that phase. They don't care about order no more. They don't care about that. They don't care about order in the home. You know, what a man shouldn't be no leader. Look, men was only called to lead two things and the devil tried to take that. The household and the church. That's it. And the devil wants to take that too. And you know what he does? He cleverly does this to get men out of the culture. And then if you read Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, when men are out of the culture and the women rule or whoever rule, besides what God's order is like, it becomes a hot mess. And that's how he gets us every single time. And people say, oh, you don't understand. Oh, no, I understand the Bible. Doesn't matter what people think. I don't care about what people think. I know what the Bible says. And there's a bunch of foolishness today in the church where things are so out of order. And men can't be men because they should shut up. Be quiet, I don't like that. You need to show your feminine side. I'm a man, I don't have a feminine side. You talking about I need to show my feminine side. I don't have one. That means I should go wear a dress <laughs> and then that might make somebody feel happy. No, 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 I need to be who God made me. 
And I don't tell no woman, you need to show your masculine side. That's nonsense. You carry that 400-pound trash can outside at night two or three times. You're like, no, I like those men. Yeah, bring them in. That's the first thing Charlene said. She said, well, if you die, who's going to take out the trash? I'm like, what? <laughs> That's funny that she thinks about the trash. <laughs> That's funny to me. Amen? Let's pray. Let's stand up. Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you for your word. Lord, we want to honor your word. We don't want your word to be what we want it to be. We live in a culture where people want the Bible to say what they want the Bible to say and not what is written to say. Lord, I don't know if you care as much as about our opinions as much as we do, Lord. Jesus says, sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. The only way we could be sanctified is by the truth of the written, holy word of the living God. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would keep us. Protect us in the days we live in, Lord. Keep us from evil, Lord. Refine our hearts, Lord. We need to be refined like silver. Lord, skim off all the dross. Lord, change us from the inside out, Lord. I know we can look at these things and laugh tonight, Lord. But it's so real, it's so true. It's so right. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, have mercy on us. Keep us in the hour we live in. Strengthen us, Lord Jesus. Help all of us, Lord, grow in truth, not in what we feel or what we think, but just grow in the knowledge of who you are, Lord. Thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for these who are faithful to your word, to Bible study, Lord. What a, what a blessing. A Valentine's Day night with this many people still at church. What a blessing. We love you, Lord. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise tonight. Sing one more song together.